0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Thanks for listening to the show. Let's get you to retirement if we can. Uh, First and foremost, uh, markets are having an okay day. Internationally, the economic data is not looking great. And one of the best things I ever did with uh, children was when it'd fall down, I, I didn't overreact. So I'd say, shrug it, pick it up, shrug it off, brush it off. And they do to this day. And I try to get that into their emotional sentimentality and everything else. And the market's brushing off, just, just brush it off. Uh, any sort of slowdown, any sort of negative. It's, it's rather refreshing right now. Uh, in a sense that it feels like we're finding reasons to go. We're not being pessimistic. But there's big <clears throat> stories today. Whoa. I think winter is coming. Playoff baseball set to begin. Crack of the bat. Take me out to the ball game. I do my own sound effects. These days. So playoff baseball starting. Change of colors is happening. Kids are setting into their school systems and wishing it was summer again. You know what that means, right? October. October. And a quick look at that means it's the last quarter of the year. Sweet. Um, a little carryover action. Leadership from Apple yesterday. Leadership from Apple today. Um, hey People are starting to talk, and I'm trying to help. People are starting to talk a little bit more about 5G. And you're starting to see analysts kind of get their fingers around some of these numbers. And uh, they've got little short, stubby fingers, by the way. They're trying to get their, their and they're, they're upping their numbers. So it looks like the telecom sector is gonna have a good play in 2020, and Apple's gonna be part of that. So is Qualcomm. So is Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, Best Buy. Uh, they will all get more you know, foot traffic, or mind share, or physical share, right? So that's out there as far as leadership goes. Markets opened a little strong and starts to pull back a little bit. Jewish holiday Rosh Hashanah ends this evening. It's carried over and is expected to contribute to reduced trading activity today. Um, Holidays are an interesting time, and we are moving into holiday season, and volatility can come down. Uh, well, uh, yeah, that's well, uh, maybe a uh, volume, which kind of implies that when volume comes down, you get some volatility that comes down. Rosh Hashanah literally means the head of the year. It's the biblical name for the holidays in Yom Toro. literally day of shouting or blasting. It is the first of the Jewish high holidays, specified by Leviticus. That occurs in the early autumn of the northern hemisphere. So, uh, I don't know if you say happy Rosh Hashanah, but let's say Rosh Hashanah. It's the proper greeting for Rosh Hashanah. A happy Rosh Hashanah is an appropriate greeting. So, good to know if you have Jewish friends. Uh, This is Jewish History One Hundred and One. I'm Rob Black. Anything else you need to know? Pick up the phone. Give me a call. So, 800 516 to each calls in there. Pretty interesting day. Um, a lot of auto numbers. We'll talk about why that's important later. But the one that jumped out to me is Charles Schwab. Um, they're eliminating commissions for online stock trades, option trades, ETFs. They're eliminating them. If you want to open an account, you can now open an account. You don't have to worry about fees. That's a pretty momentous day. And here's the the old cranky guy when i got into the business it was 20 years ago roughly 25 let's say you were paying 400 dollars a trade and now there's nothing the internet is awesome it's helped so td Ameritrade and any trader down 10 15 percent on that news china's market was closed for the golden week holidays which i should learn the golden week holidays now that i just brushed up on rosh hashanah so, it's the 70th anniversary of the People's Republic of China. Dun, 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 uh, I don't know. So, taking a look at the markets, uh, other stories of news. Nike. Nike's in the news. Um, they're, they're engaging, they're embracing the extended sizes. So, it's interesting to you note. Know, Nike, you think of the swoosh, right? You think of the activity, you think of the commercials, you think of Michael Jordan. And what they're saying... Uh, what they're saying is, uh, we like the larger shopper. <laughs> I don't think they're saying it quite like that, but that's how it's coming out. Larger shoppers, uh, am I saying that politically correctly enough? I've historically had a tough time finding quality clothing options. So Nike's saying, you know what? I think we've bled this whole competitive market and the fitness market and the uh, $200 pair of uh, running shoes, uh, not running shoes, but basketball shoes. So they're, they're upping the game. American Eagle recently expanded its gene sizes to accommodate a woman from size 24 up to size 48 for men, though. No. It's a big pair of pants, <laughs> I'll tell you that. Like, if you ever go on Survivor, there's like, you get to take one thing. I'd take those pants because those, those things can be used for many, 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 many purposes. The editor in chief of Chubster which is a lifestyle website centered around the men of size, (laughs) the men of size. Everything is so, I'm sorry, but this is making me laugh today. Everything is so politically correct. Men of size, and what was the other one? Um, Larger sizes? Is that how it's being? Yeah, larger shoppers, larger shoppers. Boy, oh boy, it's good to be me, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So the whole free trade thing uh, for buying and selling stocks, I think it's, it's a great thing because now you're going to be able to set up an account for your kids and say, you know, for your allowance, do you want me to put it in stocks or do you want me to put it in cash? And you don't have to think twice about it. If your grandparents, you don't have to think twice about it. There's not going to be like, oh, it's so expensive to do business. This is like the American dream getting like pretty awesome. Dow Jones Industrial Average turned negative this morning after some weak manufacturing data. Um, probably about five years ago, I was at a trade show. And I met the founders of Robinhood, and Robinhood's uh, two kids, and I call them kids, but now they're you know two men uh, that came up with an idea of having an app where you can you know buy and sell stocks at lunch. And if you want to buy Apple at lunch, you're, like you're talking to your buddy, excuse me, I shouldn't say Apple, I should say X Y Z company, but Apple's so much easier, right? Let's say you're talking with your bud about Nike. Hey, I heard Nike's going to embrace plus size models and. Uh, Colin Kaepernick's going to wear a pregnant suit, a fat suit, so he can show off some new Nikes. Ooh, I want to buy the stock. That sounds like they're going to have a you know, crazy campaign. Um, so, Robinhood made it free since the start of 2013. Charles Schwab has returned only 7.9 percent per year, below the 11 percent annual return of the S P 500. Ameritrade has returned even less, at just below 5 percent. As profits come out of the financial market, you don't want to cry for these guys. They knew that it was coming, but they have to change their business models and. Charles Schwab wants the the millennials. They want the people who care about fees. They want the young money. Um but anyway. I'm Rob Black, talking about all things financial, money investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW, and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I don't know if I've been in the Bay Area too long, but I think so. Pope Francis is talking about the Bay Area, about Silicon Valley. I love it when someone says Silicon Valley. I'm like, no, that's down in L.A., Uh, Pope Francis recently warned Silicon Valley executives about the moral implications of technology at a Vatican conference. It's an interesting time. We're getting that Greta girl environmentalist who is just all kinds of fantastic as far as her delivery. Uh, Whether she's being manipulated by her parents or not, I don't care. Don't yell at me. I think she's good for the earth. But uh, it's an interesting time, right? When you're having little kids tell adults how to behave. And she's not wrong. But Pope Francis warning the Silicon Valley executives about moral implications of technology. Again, it's interesting who the critics are these days. Pope Francis attended a Vatican conference last week. Common good in the digital age was a conference. Uh, who knew this is happening is my question and thought. But the Pope said it clearly. And I, I, I think it brings up a good question. The remarkable. Remarkable developments in the field of technology, in particular those dealings with artificial intelligence, raise increasingly significant implications in all areas of human activity. He doesn't want us to become and regress back into being a barbarian. If mankind's so-called technological progress were to become an enemy of the common good, this would lead to an unfortunate regression to a form of barbarianism dictated by the law of the strongest. Pope Francis on the, the thought-provoking moral complexities of technology and the march of artificial intelligence. Airbnb's in the news. Their long-awaited Wall Street debut. It's earmarked for 2020. Airbnb, I think the first time we heard of it was a lot like uh, the first time you ever heard of something like Lyft or Uber. Wait, we're going to stay in someone's house? And it's really evolved quite nicely. Um, Airbnb is laying the groundwork for a direct listing rather than initial public offering, which a lot of people say, you know, if you're going to be a real company, be a real company, go the real route. But I'm I'm not the one to judge. Spotify did it this way as well. Technology startups usually choose a traditional IPO. Why? Because you get to tap into the public markets. But some of the new generation of tech firms have spent years raising private funds and don't necessarily need money for the IPO to expand their business. But they're looking for a way to let their employees, who some of them have been paid in stocks, to, to kind of buy and sell as they want. Um, Slack Technologies also did an uh, IPO this way. But uh, the IPO market is quite... I don't want to say contentious right now. Is that the right way i putting it? Um, and I'll be interested to see if Airbnb gets public because the Wee company kind of blew it for a lot of people by shelving their IPO from $48 billion to what may be as little as $5 billion uh, before they become public. Kind of t- telling the market that some of the venture capitalists are a little bit aggressive in their pricing, thus trying to get their products that they've been investing in for the last few years. To the market and passing it on to the uh, farmer is a bad idea. Airbnb will be one of those companies that gets a lot of attention when they come public. People haven't about their IPO for a while. Um, How they do government business. You know, every now and then you'll see a story like Uber, Lyft, Airbnb, their licenses are being pulled. Or you can't rent for two days of the year. It has to be like 30 days. And you kind of start seeing like these like crazy, not crazy. You kind of see that the markets, no, I don't want to say that. It's a tough place to do business when you're trying to rent an apartment from Paris to New York City. There's something to be said for the way government regulations of getting around them is or isn't kind of their thing. So Airbnb coming public. I bring that up because I know a lot of people are really fascinated with the idea of IPOs. And it's been an interesting year when you see what happened with Beyond Meat versus what happened with Uber. Apple seeing some follow-through interest you know, on that 5G story. The treasury yields have reversed course. They're a little bit lower. 10-year treasury sits at 1.65% after touching 1.75% yesterday. The lower that number goes, the more fear there is in world markets. I think that's a fair thing to say. So when the 10-year treasury is that low, one75 typically in a matter of a day it goes down to one65 and you're like, wow, that's a big move. It is a big move. The level of fear is ratcheting a little bit higher right now. So what well, we see in stock prices, it could bleed into that. There's no doubt about that. So the manufacturing PMI for September unexpectedly declined further into contraction territory, thus telling you that the manufacturing the United States is struggling. That's out there. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. The high-profile IPOs, when they do fall apart, they become very interesting. I do want to mention that. When I take a shot at an Uber or a Lyft, do you remember Facebook when they f- first came public? Came public right around 42 and the next thing you know is, holy crap, it's $18. What's going to happen to this? And then it marches towards 200 Though So I'm not going to say unabatedly, it's, it's, it's had a good run. So sometimes you can look at some of these stocks that have been hammered, whether it's Uber, Lyft, Chewy. Do you remember Chewy? I was talking about Chewy on the air. Chewy is the online storefront essentially for pets.com and they just kind of go, they, they ask you for a picture of your dog when you're ordering dog food. And they're like, they try to get his name, how old he is. And they send you photos of your own dog painted, things like that. And you're like, Oh, that's a night. Nice, they know my poppy. It's literally when someone takes interest in your child, you're like the happiest parent ever. Um, so when you see someone take interest in your dog, you're the happiest dog parent ever. So some of these IPOs have fallen apart. Like Peloton, uh, down eleven percent its first day of trading. Closed down the week thirteen percent from its IPO price. Slack Technologies, another fallen angel. These are good comp. These are I'm not going to say good companies. There could be a good trade in. If you want to analyze them as being good companies, that's up to you. Keep in mind again what I just said that sometimes um, a good trade is not necessarily something you want to have as a good investment. Like when you break up in a relationship, it's good to go out and have a little fun. It's good to go stretch your legs, so to speak. but you do want to settle back down at some point in time. So you got to know who you are. Sometimes trades come towards you in the short term. Um, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not a grump. I, I like trades, too. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. One of my favorite segments of the week is talking with Patrick O'Hare from briefing.com. As an investor, you really start, should start young and start finding some valuable resources. I started young, and one of the valuable resources I found about 20 years ago was briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you doing today?
1: Hey, Rob, I'm doing well. Thank you.
0: (laughs) So markets, um, I guess since last time we talked, the word impeachment has become a little bit more of a snowball. And uh, both sides are getting ready. (laughs) I think that's the easiest way of saying that, getting ready. Uh, It seems like there's going to be some drama. Uh, With that being said, I'll let you talk a little bit on impeachment and the markets.
1: Well it's certainly going to be drama you know it's it's a great deal of uh, political theater uh, obviously um, you know it, it whether it leads to impeachment or not um, you know remains to be seen but you know from my vantage point as a market analyst and, and looking at how the the market is reacting to it uh, you can see at, at this particular time the market isn't overly bothered by uh, the implications of of the impeachment inquiry at this juncture, uh, I think the market is really falling back on this uh, uh, conclusion right now that even if uh, the president were to be impeached in the House, it would not be you know, ultimately confirmed by the Senate, and so that's why you hear in the headlines that uh, it could be a, a redux of the Clinton impeachment process, uh, and uh, and that year ended up being pretty good for the market when President Clinton um, uh, went through that uh, impeachment inquiry. So, uh, you know, it, things can change, right? But you know, it's uh, my purview to to watch the market and to gauge its uh, response. Uh, to headlines like this and to analyze what it ultimately means. And right now the market uh, is telling you it's not meaning uh, anything too significantly uh, from a political standpoint.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. It sounds about right. And uh, I guess historical data is a little tough to come by on impeachment, but the last one didn't kill us. So that's good Fortunately. to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Fair enough. Um, one of the stories out there today, and I find this interesting, as long as I've been using briefing.com, it's, I've seen essentially brokerage trades go from about $400 transactions to basically now free, and it was inevitable, but how do you feel about Charles Schwab getting out of the commission business?
1: Yeah, it's been remarkable. I think I've been there every step of the way with you, Rob. Uh, you know, and so, uh, I I can't say that, you know, completely surprised by this uh, news this morning, uh, if only because Interactive Brokers said last week that they were cutting uh, commissions to zero for, uh, U.S. listed stock and ETF trades. And so, um, you know, the thing with, with with this announcement, though, is like, particularly from a company like Charles Schwab, and, and I need to disclose that, you know, briefing.com has a business relationship with, with all of these guys, Charles Schwab, Interactive Brokers, TD Ameritrade, and, and E-Trade, right? But, you know, uh, for Charles Schwab, you know, um, they cut their commissions because they can. Um, you know, trading revenue is, is about 8% of Net revenue at Charles Schwab, so it's you know it's not insignificant, but it's certainly not uh, you know overly material to uh, to the top line performance. And and you know Schwab has done such a great job at acquiring assets over the years that uh, you know it makes you know money um, you know through um, through interest income and advisory fees uh, things like that. So really, when you think of the uh, a company like Schwab, <clears throat> the greater impact for Schwab and on its business is really what goes on with the interest rates and the performance of the capital markets, more so than what happens in terms of uh, commission trends, right? So, uh, so obviously, you know these guys are getting pinched somewhat right now with this flat yield curve and this inversion of the yield curve, uh, and uh, and and but it's being pro- you know held up or offset somewhat by the fact that you still have an equity market trading near record high. Uh, which has certainly been good for equity valuation. So, so if you were to see you know a real downturn in the equity market, <clears throat> then you'd probably potentially see you know a greater impact on, on Schwab's overall business because that would certainly keep interest rates compressed and, and they wouldn't benefit uh, on, on the interest rate spread
0: there. All very good stuff, and uh, I'm happy to see it. Uh, I'm excited by talking with you every week about stocks. I love stocks. It's a good story you've seen the rise and fall of companies there's a lot of drama for sure so i'm I'm happy to see the, the free trades and i think it'll hopefully encourage more people to get involved in what you and i do kind of for a living um changing topics ever so slightly looking at your page one this morning uh one of the things you started to talk a little bit about was the the october's here fourth quarter uh what are you expecting as far as the fourth quarter comes well,
1: you know, right. Yeah, you know, I, it's uh, not to sound like a cop out, but it's really tough to know what to expect. Um, you know, sure, the future is inherently uncertain here. But, but as we've discussed in recent weeks, too, Rob, you know, uh, you know, the, the feeling of uncertainty these days is 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 very pronounced, and uh, and and um, you've got a market that seems to be quite fixated on the U.S.-China trade battle, right? So those. Trade negotiations are are coming to a head again here in uh, next week in washington, and there 'll be some more insight in terms of what senior officials are are thinking, saying, and doing as it relates to you know trying to um, dial down the tension over over the trade conflict, or you know it might ratchet up and and the market I think is in just kind of this watchful mood right now waiting to hear what comes out of that and then trying to ascertain what that ultimately means for the economic and earnings growth outlook and you've had a market propped up here near near all-time highs because it still has remained optimistic that there'll be some resolution to that trade deal that ultimately leads to a better economic and earnings growth outlook so uh, so if we exit those trade negotiations with a sense that um, that it was a flop you know and you're not uh, likely to see anything happening anytime before the, the election in November 2020, you probably see a market, you know, settle back here in the fourth quarter. But, um, but with the uncertainty surrounding that issue and some uncertainty about whether the slower growth abroad is is going to ultimately filter more in a more pronounced way to the U.S. economy and hit the U.S. consumer, could probably get you know a market that just sort of chops sideways here because we've already had such a have had such a really uh, good performance year to date. But, uh, but I would the listeners to keep a real close focus on economic data that pertains particularly to uh, to the consumer, uh, because that has that has been a real linchpin for the U.S. economy and this argument that um, you know stocks are still reasonably priced and that um, and that the growth outlook for the United States is still still reasonably good.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Is there anything else that you're working on that we should be aware of? I know that. Every Friday, I get your uh, emails pushed to me, and I open them with glee uh, about Mm -hmm. the big picture and what you're thinking as far as uh, putting pen to paper right now.
1: Well, you know, kind of on the heels of what I was just saying, I think, you know, the big picture column this week is likely to, to revolve around the idea that uh, if you want to keep a, a, an eye on a really important indicator uh, to gain some sense as to what might be happening with the consumer uh, down the road here, it's the initial claims data. Right. And i okay. la- make a case for why that particular economic release is, is so important uh, and why it's been pretty much forgotten for, for many years now, even though it is so important. Thanks very much.
0: Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com, a reliable source of domestic and international content. I've had a nice relationship with them. It is not a financial relationship. Um, I just dig their content and I don't mind promoting them. So. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty 516 1220 to each calls on the air. Gas prices are dipping lower for a second consecutive week, 264. It's interesting that the national average is 264. You know what we pay in the Bay Area? It's like 420 right now. 420. <laughs> Am I pulling a, a sneaky one? Like Elon Musk? <laughs> I'm not. I, that's just the number that I kind of asked. Like, where was it? It was 415 for I saw a little bit higher. Uh, but yeah. Not cheap. You know what I love about Disney and why I still want to own it, and I do own it, is Walt Disney Resort opened in Orlando, Florida in 1971. 1971, October. I'll even help you there. How much do you think a ticket per person was when adjusted for inflation? Or just how much do you think it was on the face of the ticket? It cost to get in. Give you a second. How much was Walt Disney World Resort to get into in Orlando, Florida? 350 Three fifty. If you adjusted it for f- inflation, it would be twenty one dollars. And yet, somehow they're charging over hundred dollars at this point in time. So, within the first year, Disney hiked its price from by twenty five cents to three seventy five. And that's one of the reasons you you kind of own Disney. I hope we don't get to the point where it's like five hundred dollars a day to go. Hopefully, we can figure out on the back end how to make more money, and not necessarily on the front end. So, six dollars in nineteen seventy five to get in. Today, there's forty million people who visit Disney World in Orlando every year. Ticket prices range from $109 to $159. And how much was it on the first day? $350. 1971. Oh, is that not crazy? That's inflation working for you. And if you've been a shareholder since 71, you've done very, very well. And I don't know actually when their shares actually started trading. So I should be quiet on that one. 800-516-1220 to get your job uh, calls on the air. Interesting report on home prices. The cities that are most likely to get hit by a housing correction. I'll talk about that when we come back off break. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So there's a new research report out by UBS. This is what I do for a living. I read and study, do a little fact-finding, a little homework one of them is reading the research and there's new ubs research pull out on the global real estate market and if it's a bubble or not so they analyzed basically 24 global housing markets uh, residential property prices in five u.s cities were examined new york san francisco were ultimately found to be above uh, a fair assessment but what they said inside the report was that internationally speaking the u.s looks good compared to europe um which is that makes It's nice. Again, it's a nice data point, especially if you own real estate in the Bay Area or the United States. Study ranked half the city surveyed as overpriced and the risk of a bubble with low interest rates pushing Eurozone housing markets like Amsterdam, Frankfurt and Paris into danger. The thing about low interest rates is they tend to stimulate the economy, right? If You make borrowing cheap. Banks look around and go, "Okay, well, we're not going to make money holding it. So let's let's lend it out and let's figure out. And the cheaper it is, the more risk they can take. Because they know that you know there will be failures there for sure, but it's such a low cost of money; they don't have to recoup as much as or you don't have to make ends meet to repay your loans as as much. On a global level, economic uncertainty is outweighing the effect of falling interest rates. Now, that's interesting because global uncertainty. You need to kind of grasp that that notion real quick. That just the thought of a weaker international housing market or a weaker economy internationally, how that plays into the housing market. Um, I was talking with a friend who does mortgages, and he was talking about some clients who did pretty well in their life, and they had a $3.5 million house, and he said, it still kills me. People can chuckle and go, yeah, it's $3.5 million, but it's, it's really not a very nice house. There's a lot of psychology, a lot of psychology in the housing market. So it's no surprise that residential properties in New York, San Francisco, L.A., all noted as overvalued, but prices in San Francisco and LA hit a ceiling as buyers deemed houses increasingly unaffordable. And trade tensions with foreign investment losses suspend some growth. I've noticed the high ends not moving as fast, if it's moving at all, in housing in my neck of the woods. But for instance, this UBS survey says Boston's doing quite well. They they appear to be in fair value territory. And they were benefiting from the appeal of the region for the business and high-income earners. Chicago ranked as the most undervalued city on the list. Have you ever been flying across the country? You're either going, like, maybe D.C. to California or California to New York. And about halfway through, you wake up and you're like, oh, a windy city. It's in the middle of the United States. And it's not surprising that it's considered undervalued in the sense that it's so much easier to do business on the coast of the United States. Uh, getting things to and. From the middle of the United States is a little bit more difficult. Uh, Not knocking in Chicago to be considered, you know, fairly valued or undervalued is a good thing in real estate. Uh, There's upside. Global average price growth adjusted for inflation stalled in Sydney, Vancouver and Dubai. have already seen price corrections. Munich topped the list of the high risk real estate bubble markets. It's kind of interesting. Like we don't talk about other markets ever, do we? Toronto, Hong Kong, Vancouver also considered high risk. Doesn't mean they're not going to go higher. I don't know what the point of that segment was other than to say that um, UBS did a survey and there's not a lot of value on it in real estate. Out of the 20 plus cities, uh, at least 25% plus uh, are in bubble territory, according to them. Bubble. My favorite bubble is Mr. Bubble. You remember Bubble Bounds? Oh, those were the days. A U.S. manufacturing survey shows the worst reading in a decade. Trump's approval rating drops too low, but Americans still oppose impeachment. I think those two headlines kind of work together. The U.S. manufacturing survey shows worst reading in a decade. Trump has one thing correct when he says it's a strong economy. It still is compared to the worldwide, and that's where it starts to getting tricky. But when you see manufacturing surveys decline and you hear the worst reading in a decade, it won't take a lot to slow us down, Um, and it can happen pretty fast. Because there is a kind of psychology that goes with not only real estate... To business conditions, um, the manufacturing purchasing managers' index out of the ISM came in the lowest reading since 2009, but it's the second consecutive month of contraction. So, new export orders index tanked to only 41. percent. That's lowest level since March 2009. Uh, it's kind of slowing down. Two months in a row, not a trend, but trending towards a trend. <laughs> Is that even allowed to say? Sony slashed the price of its PlayStation Now video game service in half. There is a monster, aggressive push on Wall Street to, if you want to be relevant, you have to have a subscription service. The video game service is cut to $9.99 a month, a reflection of the increasing competition online offerings. So the leader in video games said Tuesday, today, that it's also adding limited runs of top-selling titles to the service, such as Grand Theft Auto V, and launching the first global marketing campaign to promote the PlayStation Now. So... There's a lot of ways to make money in the video games. There's the hardware, components, the AMD, the NVIDIAs, the Sony's and the Microsoft's. Then there's the software that goes inside of it. Um, There's the games that make the the software. But now, again, Microsoft has a Game Pass. It's starting at $9.99 a month. They want to get you on that monthly basis, so it's not just a one-and-done kind of situation. Subscription-based video game services are becoming popular, just like streaming television. Right? 800-516-1220. 800-516-1220. Each calls in the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery your project is our priority. See the latest designs from your favorite brands, including Gin Air, at your local Ferguson showroom.